quickly before we go ahead and start today's episode we have two sponsors for today's episode the first sponsor is aproxy.io it is a pocket friendly residential proxy provider aproxy focuses on providing their users with the same quality proxies which you are used to but are much lower prices prices start from only nine dollars per gigabyte for their residential data their resis work across all major websites including footsite supreme and many other sites to celebrate this episode of the bot talk and them sponsoring this episode they're giving out free keys to their residential proxy which are hidden across their social media platforms like twitter and discord so go down below in the description and check out their social medias to find those free proxy keys and also if you miss out on the free data that they are providing on their social medias you can use code bot talk which is on screen right now at checkout to get 25 percent off your order the next sponsor for this episode is latest which is a group dedicated to helping you acquire the latest sneaker releases and diversify your income easily they offer extremely fast monitors ranging from social media to shoe stores they have 24 7 professional support so whether you're an experienced botter or a newcomer you will have the help you need within the group and they also offer private software to all their members and that includes an opener a tweet monitor and a spoofer all on top of the group's benefits they also offer exclusive information ranging from sneakers to investing and much more for the bot talk viewers only you guys have a limited chance to join the group at a discounted price for your first move so go down below in the description and check out the latest website to get your discounted first move and join the group and be sure to go ahead and check out their social media which will also be linked down below and i highly recommend you check out both the sponsors for today's episode so jumping straight into today's episode guys i have liquidity from higher bots on the bot talk is going to be a very good episode let's jump straight into it with the first question i do want to ask him how do you discover the reselling community well it's a long story before i before i was selling shoes i used to sell mugs and stickers and t-shirts online and i had this whole business on on ebay and on shopify uh, i think we were on etsy too at one point but yeah, I don't know if you know too much about that business, but the margins were so, so low. I'd be working and working. I'd, I'd be making like $5, $6 an hour. So my friend actually contacted me and he, he was just telling me about how he was running these bots and how he was hitting like hundreds and hundreds of pairs of shoes and just making so much money off of it. And I was like, seems like a great opportunity. And, you know, as soon as the, uh, the mug making business started to collapse, I dived right into shoes. Yeah, definitely. That is an interesting start. Obviously, with that type of business model, I've, I've kind of dipped into it as well. I have a lot of friends that reside within different communities outside the botting community. And one of the one of those type of business models always has like you're buying from one supplier and then you're selling it with your market price and then you're putting it under your brand exactly. name. Exactly. Yeah, so the margins are low. I remember I used to sell like Facebook likes and stuff and I'd find like a supplier and then sell it on. So obviously the margins are terribly low and um, obviously to get your money through all the fees and everything, it isn't sustainable like it is to sell shoes. So obviously it is a good thing that you went ahead and found the community. But when you first got into going for releases, going for shoe releases, can you remember any releases that were really memorable to you before you started buying? I never really started going for shoes before I started reselling, before I started botting. So I have to say nothing much really, but the first release I really got into actually was I remember it was I think it was in June of last year. I rented out Cyber for forty dollars, and I I don't even remember what shoe it was, but I used the wrong keywords and I ran all my tasks on local, so I I obviously hit no shoes. But it was kind of a memorable first release off of that. Yeah, definitely. When you first do rent a bot, we've all been in that similar scenario. You've got the bot and you're going for the first ever release or some of the first ever releases on a site. The learning curve is often quite steep because there's so many things you have to account for. You have to account for your proxies, accounts in some cases, what your task settings are 
how many tasks you should be running. There's a bunch of things you need to go ahead and take into account. And even like separating a comma could uh, really, really affect your success. So obviously the audience can definitely resonate with the fact that you had some problems when you first started buying because all of us did. I personally did as well. So you decided to go ahead and rent out cyber at the time. But when you first got into botting, did you make any big investments into any bots or was it just purely renting and buying in-stock bots? Uh I guess my first investment into a bot like that I actually owned was Subbot, but I didn't actually put a huge investment into any bot until I bought, uh, uh, I think it might have been MechPream. I paid around $300 for MechPream back then. It seemed like a really, really good deal, and it definitely was. But I think the first bot I really felt like I owned was Soul. I had a monthly rental of that, and like back then for me, I guess a monthly rental kind of felt like I owned the bot. Because I had the freedom with Soul to, you know, to run it for any release or to not run it for that release as well. So that was like 60 bucks. But I can't believe how much prices have gone up for all these bots since I first started. It's incredible. Definitely. There is a lot of hyper inflation going on with bots. And that is something we should just go ahead and talk about seeing as though it's been brought up. Comparing the market to like two years ago or even a year ago, bots are a lot more expensive and it's a lot more steeper to go ahead and get into Boeing. What are your thoughts on the whole hyperinflation within bots right now? Yeah, I mean, I think prices are pretty high right now, but that does take into account the fact that most bot developers with the quarantine have either been, you know, like laid off or not been at school, just had the opportunity to work on their bots for so long, for this long period. So kind of what we're seeing right now with prices at an all-time high is the culmination of, of developers working on bots for an all-time long. And frankly, like the level of advance that I've seen just personally in high over the past couple of months is, is like quite insane. And I think it deserves the price, the, uh, the increase in price that Hiha has seen. And I can assume the same is true for all these other bots. You know, uh, when their developers spend a ton of time on them, as we all have during quarantine, uh, the price of the bots definitely deserve to go up. Definitely. I mean, in my opinion, I do agree with you, but I feel like there is some type of market manipulation definitely taking place. And, you know, when it comes down to that, it just kind of depends on what your stance is. A lot of people are making money. Don't, they don't even bot. They just flip bots. I've personally done it. I've personally invested in bots and sold them later. It's perfectly fine. But it does bring it to question, like, what are the actual correct evaluation of these bots? I mean, it's a topic that a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on. I know a lot of people don't like this whole idea. And they're pushing for bots to charge more for their retail in the effort of bringing down the aftermarket price we've seen bots like dragon go ahead and do that with like a 1k retail which obviously caters towards people that have more capital at the beginning to go ahead and get into botting so obviously it is a very big topic and a lot of people do have a lot of opinions on it but moving back to the original course of the episode here how did you actually discover the botting community my friend just pointed it out to me when, when i told him about how little money i was making off mugs not t-shirts Again, I, I was just sitting here for like hours and hours and hours. And I think, frankly, I lost money over that whole endeavor. But my friend was just making crazy money. I remember at the time he was pulling in like 10000 a month. And to me back then, that was like insane money. I mean, that was more than my parents made. And I was just astonished. So I, I decided I really wanted to join this community. I really wanted to. You know, it's, it's really incredible when you find something that the amount of effort it takes to reach like a million dollar bot or a hundred thousand dollar bot is so so much less than the effort i would say right now it's so much less than the effort it takes to reach like a million dollar physical digital software company or a physical digital software uh like marketing agency 
like you see literal teenagers out here making like millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I, I knew that that was just an industry I really wanted to be in. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I have a friend that kind of recently joined this community, but he's kind of like an outsider. And I speak to him quite a lot about these topics. His name's Alex, but he was speaking to me about the fact that people do often pay for a lot of things within this community. Like they just throw money at stuff. Like let's say, for example, you pay $50 for a cookbook, which is kind of the base pricing these days. If you pay $50 for this cookbook, if you were to go to a person IRO, outside this community even and say you want to invest $50 in something in a few clicks it kind of has a different mindset like me personally if I was trying to get into a group I'd click without any hesitation but if you compare that to people outside the community they do have some type of contemplation and so they should because obviously money obviously doesn't grow in trees is always that traditional saying and we should be careful what we invest our money in but in this community for some weird reason everyone just buzz money everywhere exactly yeah, exactly. And I think that contributes towards why there's so many millionaires within the community. And I feel like I can confidently say that just because of the numbers we've seen, you know, where if you've got software like Scout and everything's being able to be tracked, we've seen some repeatable people tweet out their stock numbers. People are making a ton of money in this community and I'm very happy for them. Yeah. This community does have a very, very big potential to make a lot of money. Yeah, you know, this kind of re reminds me of like an unrefined type of market like i guess my knowledge of history is really really bad but i would say like i would compare this to back in america in, in like the 1850s 1860s types of things like a gold rush where you see tons and tons of people making money really really quickly and then eventually we're going to start seeing really really professional products like like by the way i, I was just I, I watched the uh the scout keynote and we're going to start seeing professionals move into this industry and start to and really we have to start treating it like an industry we're going to see professionals start to move into this industry and kind of break it down and, and we're going to see shoe botting i think over the next like 10 to 15 years we're going to see it become a lot more professional filled with products like scat yeah definitely it does beg the question as to whether botting will last 10 to 15 years but i will definitely agree that scout the scout keynote was like 100 no there's literally nothing i would change about it like <laughs> that was insane bro like literally i didn't feel like i was watching a company that resides within the sneaker buying community or has any ties to it like i was just watching it and i was like this is amazing like i was skeptical when they first announced it about how it would be but they really hit it uh, hit the nail on the head there and i was very glad that companies are pushing towards that direction so i'm very excited to see what companies like cyber have installed with their new update obviously higher with their new update and more yeah. companies to come in the community but one thing i did want to jump into what sparked your interest in coding i guess the way i this kind of leads into the way I think of coding and the way I kind of view a lot of things in general. I kind of, tough to explain, but when I'm working on a program or when I'm working on a project like this, I kind of imagine myself as being like a sculpture. Like back in the Middle Ages, people used to spend their entire lives, or at least they would spend decades or so, like working on one single piece of art or one single sculpture. Or sculpture. And they would just sit there and they would chisel away at it for days, removing every imperfection until block of marble had turned into like a perfect statue and that's kind of what i imagine from programming it's it's one of those things where i kind of have the ability to, to make changes like that i kind of have the ability to have a chisel the ability to have a hammer which i'm so grateful for but it's just addicting to try to get closer and closer and closer from like an empty script or just the start of a bot into something that actually works it's just really really addicting especially uh with the thrill of all that's involved here. 
Yeah, definitely. Coding is one thing I did want to get into, and I do want to get into going into 2021. And one thing that coders always say to me is that the progression is very addicting. And I think it definitely applies to this community quite a lot because of how you can see the success of code so viscerally. So for example, if the code works really well, your members, whether you have 100, 200, 300, 1000, can go ahead and use the updated code you made to go ahead and secure these items, then you'll see all the success. Exactly, yeah. So I just feel like this community, when it comes to coding, it's a lot more rewarding compared to others, but coding in general, um, if you are very passionate about it, and I know some passionate coders as well, it's very rewarding because you're essentially, like you said, chiseling away at this uh, monument or statue to try and make it perfect. Yeah, definitely. So when you jumped into coding, what were some of the first programs you went ahead and built? I don't actually have too strong of an experience in programming. I, I made an app back in the day. I, I, used, I actually used to make websites for local businesses as well. I set up a couple of Shopify stores with custom plugins and such. But you know, aside from that app, aside from like a couple of websites here and there, I didn't really have too much professional experience in programming. Unlike a lot of people here, which which in fact made me quite nervous, and that was one of the reasons why, you know, Hi-Hat has taken so long to come from, like our beta started in August of last year, and it's just taken so long because I was relatively inexperienced with programming, and you see like some of the newer companies like Rush and such went really quickly from that beta phase to like thousand dollar bot doing super super well on all these sites phase because the owners had had tons of experience. I mean, AKA was a Silicon Valley programmer has tons of experience in the field, but I guess I didn't have a whole lot of experience in programming, which which made Hi-Hat take a very long time to get to that like, phase where the boss starts working. Yeah, I do remember when Hi-Hat was kind of like first announced or kind of came out to the scene. I remember people talking about it and it has taken a while. I kind of saw you drop off the radar for a little bit and then jump back on like really recently. And then, well, not really recently, but semi-recently and like the resale value is there and your, your success is very solid. So obviously congrats to you. But I think that it, yeah, no worries, man. I think that is one thing I do want to speak about um, when it comes to patience with these programs. Now, when it comes to a consumer point of view, if they're paying X amount per month or X amount per six months for this bot, patience is one thing they're not really going to want to have. They want, they want instant success. But from a developer's point of view, can you speak about how the whole process is of perfecting a bot and making sure it's successful on these sites? So the pressure is actually like it's quite diff difficult, especially when you have a ton of users that are all like telling you work on the same thing, work on the same thing. And I think like, frankly, back back then when Hi-Hi was doing really, really, really poorly, it's just so easy to shit on developers. It's so easy to say like, yo, your bot sucks, you're doing badly, but you don't really understand like how difficult it is to actually put together a product that works. Botting is really different from, from most other fields because we're actively working against these multi-billion dollar companies. So like obviously there's these times when you're gonna trip up and the pressure put on by those moments was absolutely really, really debilitating. Um it made it really, really difficult for me to work on hi hi for a very long time. And as you can see, the performance of the bot slumped during that period. And then we we found a new bypass for Shoe Palace. And I re I remember over this period we were working really, really hard to kind of get the product back on stage. Nested and I were putting in work on foot sites, shoe palace, like all these other sites. And then I remember one drop, the Concords, we kind of gained back that steam, and then we've, we've been moving up ever since. And I think like the, the pressure is definitely, back then I, I didn't really know how to control it. So I, I would kind of let it get to me, and I would think like that I was really shit and that I couldn't handle it, and that maybe you know the Court Purples, the drop we, really, we did really, really well on in the start. I thought that that was kind of a fluke, but 
I think the trick to handling it really well is that, you know, pressure means that you're putting together a good product. The more pressure you have, you know, the more it means that people are depending on you and that they trust in you that you'll be able to execute a good vision. So I think that's the way that now I'm starting to think of it. And it's probably best to think of it that way instead of viewing it as something like negative or something debilitating as I used to. Yeah, definitely. Just from speaking to you, you do seem to have a very, very good mindset when it comes to being a bot developer and being in this scene, having pressure from hundreds of members. And I feel like it is very vital for a person in your position to have this type of mindset just because of how mentally draining it can be. Like I know a lot of developers that get really strained and really like depressed. I think I can confidently say that some of them are just because all these members, obviously paying members, do have a right to voice their opinions and voice their concern for certain modules and parts of the bot. But it does really affect the developer at some point and obviously different members of the staff team as well. But I'm very, very happy that you do have a mindset in such a way where you're, you can take that criticism, manage it well, and then obviously go ahead and improve the bot. So we've kind of dipped into higher just a little bit, but just taking it back just a few steps, when you joined the botting community, were there any first companies you worked with before jumping into the creation of higher? Not in particular. I really, I started started botting back in July and I started working on Hi-Hi in August. So there wasn't really too big of a span for me to, sorry, I started, I started botting in June. There wasn't really too big a span. I just kind of got into HiHub because at the time I didn't really, I just kind of wanted to work on it. You know, I, I didn't really work for anyone else before I, I did HiHub at all. I just, just kind of jumped right in. Yeah, that is quite interesting. I know a lot of the owners in the community actually worked for different bot companies to gain experience and then jump into creating their own company. But it's interesting that you went straight ahead and created HiHub. But what actually made you want to start the company? Um... I just kind of felt like it would be an interesting experience. And I really, I feel like this industry is definitely something special because again, you see these like teenagers who are, who are really going about and making really huge things with their lives. I feel like very few do, very few times in, in our life do we have a chance to actually make a product that we can be proud of, something that we can actually call perfect at the end. And that's kind of what I envisioned for hi I, I always wanted to just sit down there and I wanted to work and work and work until I had a product that I could finally be proud of, something that's, that's kind of perfect. We, had, we definitely haven't reached the, the point where I can call hi perfect at all. That point's a long way off, but that's kind of the reason why I started and it's the reason why we keep working every single day. It's like, it's like that analogy of the sculpture like way back that I was talking about. It's just, I kind of saw that, I saw the statue at the end and I kind of, Every day we're working and working and working and closer and closer and closer to that. And I just, I saw like, this is my chance to make something that I can be proud of. This is my chance to kind of make a difference. And I, I just jumped and I took it. Yeah, I mean, it did pay off and I feel like it's going to continue to pay off in the long run. So obviously I know there's a ton of people that are happy you made that jump. But when you first began the company and you were beginning the coding process, how was that all like? We, we really started HiHa out as being a browser-based Supreme bot. I didn't really envision getting anywhere beyond Supreme. You know, at the moment, I was just kind of, I mean, I, I own Mac Cream at the moment, at, at the time. And I was just like, you know, I, I could definitely make a browser-based bot. I kind of knew a little bit about browser automation. So we wrote the whole thing in Python first, in Selenium, actually. Discovered it was too slow. Then I wrote it in, in Python's version of Puppeteer. That kind of had a lot of issues, so we just we, we decided to just write it in Node.js, and we worked on Supreme really until, like, the amount of time we've been working on Supreme is is pretty insane. We we worked on Supreme from, I think, August all the way to January, 
before adding a single other site, which is pretty pretty incredible. Like frankly, <laughs> like the delay in between us adding you know Shopify foot sites was so much smaller than the time it took us to get from Supreme to any other site. I spent a whole lot of time working on Supreme. I think like it was kind of a process that taught me more and more along the way as I you know as I spent more and more time working on it. Each hour I spent would become more and more efficient to the point where I can say like one hour of my time now is probably worth like 40 or 50 hours of my time back then, which is pretty incredible. That's quite interesting. I feel like with any type of profession or any type of skill that people do on a regular basis, overall, you will become quite quick on doing certain parts. Obviously, the analogy of one hour of your time being 40 hours of your previous time is pretty accurate for a lot of things. So obviously, that is good for the progression of the company as well. But one thing I did want to tap into as we're ending off our episode, you did decide to go ahead and align higher with a monthly paying model for all the users. I did want to pick your brain about why you decided to go with that and why you didn't decide to go down the route of selling renewals and lifetimes. Well, frankly, back then when we started selling Hi-Hat for the first time, I didn't think anyone would actually pay like $150 initial fee. The monthly model has kind of, it's been really great in that it's given us like a consistent source of revenue. But it's also screwed us over in that when we were starting Haha and we first started selling, we didn't really have the capital needed to inject it into other areas. We only really had $20 per member when, once we started compared to other bots, which would probably have had like $300, $400 per member once they started. Uh, in the future, I can definitely see Haha after 1.0 potentially adding a retail fee. Um, the monthly model certainly will not change. We will we'll definitely keep having that monthly fee. Haha doesn't really have too many lifetimes. I I think a lifetime, it's a good idea, but I think it doesn't really translate necessarily well into this industry, simply due to the fact that it's just so, it evolves, so, so you can't really guarantee a product for that long without having to pay updates, without having to, you know, fund the development of new, new methods, new anti-anti-bots. It's just a very costly thing to maintain over the long run. It's not like buying a car or something. It's, you're buying something that's continuously changing, continuously adapting, pretty much a new product every month. So I just I, I disagree with the whole lifetimes model, which is why Haha has like I think five or six lifetimes, all of which we've done through giveaways. Yeah, definitely. My opinion does reside with yours when it comes to lifetimes. Lifetimes are such a pain. Like I get that obviously members feel entitled to have access to the bot or the group for the entire lifetime, but it's just like lifetime essentially if you need capital very quickly, you just sell it and um it's obviously one thing that plenty of groups and bots and like tools do these days but obviously the initial fee plus a monthly fee after that is definitely hands down in my opinion the best model to go ahead and go with and i know a lot of companies are following that just because you get the initial capital and then you also get the monthly revenue as well so it kind of just aligns very nicely with both your points there where you have capital at the beginning and then you have a consistent source of income as well yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, as I said, I think in the future we're, we're going to add that initial fee on the hi-hat because it frankly makes no sense if you can, you know, we see a lot of people like buying the bot at 30 and then flipping it for whatever price. It's just, uh, it's counterproductive to us to sell keys at $30 right now and, and giveaways and in, in restocks like that. We should definitely, we will definitely move into charging that initial fee in the future. But I think the monthly model is, we kind of modeled it based off of what Waltbot was doing. And I mean, I, I can't say that it's been too bad. It's, it worked pretty well for us. And I, I would say if, if anyone else is looking to start a new bot, monthly is a really good way to go.
just add on an initial fee. That was my mistake. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in my opinion, you could easily add an initial fee, and I feel like everyone would definitely pay that. A lot of bots are moving towards the idea of just being more expensive, and I feel like a lot of things, groups, tools, proxies, everything's just moving towards being more expensive because, you know, these products are worth more money than they are priced at. Like, you could definitely... yeah, you could definitely price higher, def- uh, like a higher price. We've seen a cyber do it. We've seen Rush obviously go with that higher price model as well, and we've seen a Dragon once again bring it up again with that high retail. So I could definitely see higher being uh, priced more, and I feel like the public and the consumers wouldn't have a problem with that. But moving on to the final part of this episode, before we move to the special event, what are your plans for a higher in the future? This is kind of interesting. There's some things, obviously, like new sites, new modules, I shouldn't really talk about before we release them. But I guess my vision for Hiha in the future is, you know, you see all these people spending hours and hours and hours to set up. But my vision for Hiha is that it should just take one click to set up your entire bot for for a given release. Like you should spend less than ten minutes a month setting up, setting Hiha up, like in total. So that's what we're going to try to transition to. So my vision for for I guess six months from now is that you know you won't need to spend three hours, four hours, five hours the night before setting up tasks, like organizing profiles, figuring out what setup you want to use. You would be able to just go to bed at two a.m., click a single button on your phone. It would pick an automatic setup for you. It would organize based on your profiles, your proxies, your strategy, what our moderators recommend. You just click on that button. You go to sleep. You'd wake up and you'd see a hundred checkouts. That's the vision for Hi Hut. We we're obviously a long way off from that vision. Um, but it, it's definitely something that I want to see in the future as, as this industry becomes, begins to become a lot more professional. You know, when you see people, they buy stocks or they buy real estate and they're hoping to see a monetary gain, they don't really want to sit there for like three hours before they, before, on, I guess like every single week, kind of setting up their stocks or setting up their real estate. They just want to buy it and, and let it do its work. And I think that that's the vision for HiHa. And I, I think that that's the path that botting is in general going to take over the next few years. Just having machines kind of optimize your setup, having AI handle all of that is just kind of the dream for me. It's, it's kind of what we want, to, we want to get into over the next few months. Yeah, Aka from Rush, who was also on the bot talk as well, had a very, very similar vision for Rush. And I feel like AI in general, integrated into the bot will be a very beneficial thing because one big thing that a lot of botters, when they're setting up loads of bots, do tweet about and talk about is the setup time. They spend hours and hours and hours going setting up for these releases, even prior to them. They could spend like a whole day doing it. And then yeah. one release per week, then obviously it takes up a bunch of time. So obviously that plan for hire is definitely a favorable thing. And I feel like members will definitely enjoy that. Definitely, yeah. And there's also the possibility of like, like human error. As we're seeing, you know, with driving and all becoming more kind of trending towards more self-driving cars, the same is true in the botting industry when people kind of make mistakes with their setup. If they're, say, running like hundreds of tasks on a single proxy, as I've done in the past, um, this kind of automated setup would it, would, it would definitely reduce the risks of botting. It would definitely kind of lower your chances for failure and increase the ratios of success as well. So it's something that we definitely look forward to. Again, it's, this is a really, really long time off, um, but it's something that we hope to achieve in the future, and it's a path that I, I can say confidently we're moving down. Definitely, I'm very, very excited to see it. Now, we have reached the end of the episode, but we did promise a special event at the end of this episode. So essentially, guys, after this clip, it's going to cut to me explaining how the special event's going to take place. Follow the instructions, listen very, very carefully. Then a countdown's going to be on screen, and then the special event will take place. 
best of luck, guys.